that a sacrifice would be like, I don't want to sacrifice my integrity for brands, for example. And I'm like, it can work to such a point as an artist to be creative enough that you can serve brand while keeping your style. If you're flexible to some aspect, absolutely, it's not a problem, you know. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm your host and the creator, Aaron S. In today's episode, I have the chance to talk to the incredible Revs One. Revs is an artist and illustrator based in London who creates artwork using a variety of different mediums. Most notably, he creates striking murals which contain surreal portraits made in his signature neo-noir style and his work has an interesting emphasis on the space between art and commerce. Okay, so the best place to start, as I start with every single person, is uh, tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. Sweet. Uh, I'm Brett Juan. I would consider myself illustrator and then muralist. So I tend to do anything from digital illustration, but then a lot of like motion design, which I'm like kind of professionally trained with. It all ends up like tied with murals, which is my first love, basically painting from graffiti, letters, portraits, and all tied up to like surrealism, basically. Yeah. That was perfect. And uh, at what point did you know that you wanted to have an artistic career? Uh, very young, probably. I'm 26 um, at the moment, and probably since like age 10, 11, 12. Oh, wow. Um, it's been going on. Uh, my father would have like drawn a bit, like you know, sketching a, a couple of things on the side, but nothing major. And I wouldn't really put that as like a major influence. It was more like friends around me or whatever. But um, yeah, basically, a good fifteen years already, even though I'm only twenty six at this point. That's yeah. I mean, that's good though. At least you know you've uh, dedicated your time to something you love doing, which is perfect. Yeah. Um, and what's the biggest sacrifice of being an artist? Um, it's, I think I, I, would, I would normally consider sacrifice to be external. What sacrifice do you have to do around you, around people, around career? But sacrifices for artists to be is very mental in the way that like <clears throat> everything stimulates you. So everything is an inspiration. You're on the bus, billboards, colors of buildings, and everything is haunting you basically because you're like, okay, I want to use this. I want to like, you know, like, you know, digest these colors and these designs and these shapes all together. I would say the biggest sacrifice is like, um, yeah, just mentally, the creativity just never stop. And obviously it's a plus, you know, if it's the nature of your personality and, you know, how you, how you think, but then, you know, you can talk to like high level people like lawyers, you know, at six o'clock, they clock out and that's them. Yeah. Creative people, it's always on. And it could take a toll. I think there's a lot of burnouts with different things because that's that's the way our state of mind is, I think. So I would consider that to be a bigger sacrifice. And how do you prevent like burning out and doing too much? I don't think I have the healthiest way to do it. But basically, <laughs> I keep going. <laughs> so I keep going to the point that like, to me, it's all about momentum. If you have the momentum going, there's no hard, big mountains of like sacrifices and uh, not well like you know challenges and complications and everything and i don't really have like holidays or days off basically i just kind of keep on working and the things that you know it's kind of like this amazing quote that the bojack horseman show would have is it gets easier but you have to do it every day you know um and that kind of like makes it easy you know it's just kind of like burnout is probably when you 
really work yourself too much in a small concentration of time. So maybe come spit it out, but basically keep the momentum going because you're more likely to have burnouts if it's um, kind of like hot spots of one moment, like you, you don't do it regularly, um, you know, and then burnouts will come on when, when you have to like work four days in a row. I was like, if you work seven days in a row all the time, what's four days in a row? It's just another day. So I wouldn't say it's the healthiest, but basically it's kind of like the, the smoother approach to it, if that's possible. Yeah, about to say that. Yeah, about to say because I think it's yeah because you you have a good point when you said that you know there's you don't clock out and it's like even when you're like you know just doing odd things like cooking or whatever you're going to be thinking about your projects that you're doing you're going to be thinking about the next thing you want to be doing it's like yeah like you have to kind of find that switch to switch off and be like you know no actually i need to focus my energy and my time on something else something different um i think also because you're an artist it's kind of just the way you work the way you are and it's kind of like you can't you can't really escape it and actually do you think that being an artist gives you a unique perspective so a unique perspective on life so on life on life okay um it is definitely a observation based kind of like things but such as um um I, i would have deep thoughts about it and like for example i'm a motion designer in an agency at the moment and i'm known for my talks that are very philosophical yeah. Uh, I would kind of split people into, I feel like everyone, it would kind of answer your question. But I feel like everyone kind of is either three personalities. So you're either a creator, a helper, or a builder. So builder would be kind of like all these like text people, tech people, the inventors, that kind of stuff. Creators would be all the designers, the thinkers, the architects. Um, and then you would have all the helper, basically, the, you know, the, the, the nurses, the, the foundations, the charities. Uh, but you can go, you know, like any social hubs the customer service and everything with. And basically these are the three main profiles that I would consider people. And I think both of them have a unique perspective on life, uh, but obviously creator is one of them three. So it's kind of like a major shift, you know, major importance aspect to it, I think. That's actually, re- I've never heard of it even put that way, but actually that makes a lot of sense. That's actually really yeah. fascinating. That's like really Can fascinating. You think about that. Yeah, like when you think about that, you think of like where where you kind of replace people. That's a really interesting. Actually, I'm gonna do more research on that. That's really fascinating. Actually, yeah, I, love I, stuff, I love stuff like that. That's absolutely perfect. Yeah. I do a lot of research, but this is not based on research. This is just pure kind of like me building kind of labels in my, in my mind. You know, and, and yeah. I'm completely against labels because you know it normally just never helps tribalism yeah. kind of stuff. Basically. You can label people in three ways. It's, it's such a broad kind of thing. It really goes into like, what's your pure nature as a human being? It's like, are you a helper? Are you a builder? Are you a creator? And yeah, it's a big mission for me. If I, I really, really want to, I knew what I wanted to do on a very abstract level, very young. And I feel like it's such an important life. It could fix so many problems like socially or whatever. If you know what you want to do, if you know what of the three profiles you are basically, and I feel like it's such a big mission for me to kind of like teach people about this. And like, maybe if you ask that question to people, they can figure a lot of what they want. You know, you don't need a specific career. Just know which of these three types are you, you know, what, what feels right to you. Well, I think I'm going to ask this next person I interview um, and I'll credit you for it. hundred um, percent. Like actually I'm going to, um, that's such a good, such a good question and just such a good kind of way to get people to reflect upon themselves. Um, which is like super important particularly as an artist you want to be asked questions that are going to make you consider what you're doing as opposed to just being like oh who are your inspirations because like that's cool but we can we can probably look at your bio on your website and tell you what your inspirations are actually i didn't know what your inspirations are because i've read them on an interview did so you know it's like 
you want to be asked something hopefully that's going to be a bit more meaningful um so i'm actually pretty curious to know like did you study art or you self-taught um I, I grew up in Belgium and you would have secondary school there, which is basically essentially, you know, 12 years old to like 17, 18 kind of ish. And only the last two years, so between 16 and 18, I went to a, they're still called general school. You would only have, um, you know, your specification would be art. So eight hours a week I would do art, but then these eight hours would be art history and music. So basically about three hours of art. So I wouldn't really consider myself trained in art, even though I went to art school for two years, you know, in secondary school. Um, but I'm formally trained in film. So that's basically oh, okay. filmmaking. So that's what I studied. And um, I have, I think, <clears throat> it's kind of like, it's not exactly obvious, but I think once you know about it, maybe you can tell me if you can kind of see that cinematic aspect to my work. Yeah. In the, like, I like things to be in motion. Like I do little particles, dust and shapes that are moving around that like things that are like stopped frozen in time which is more tied to photography or something like this but i feel like yeah. film is really that kind of like um driving thing basically the reason why i'm not formally trained in art but in video is because i thought it would make more money from video more stable jobs yeah. or whatever i went from art secondary school to film university and it basically money is coming kind of from 50-50 at the moment. But basically for a long amount of time, art was almost taken over. So, you know, you might study a thing, make money from another. And I think that's a healthy way of being like, you know what, life comes in different ways. And, you know, Absolutely. just generate needs and opportunities and, and, and any kind of like a, um, areas that you, can, that you can. And it's nice as well, because you're not just hoping, depending on your hopes on just art. And, you know, if it doesn't, let's say if it doesn't pan out, or let's say if you don't make so much money one month, you're not going to be like, oh, crap, I don't have enough money. You've got other things and skills you can use to make money elsewhere. And something like film, particularly nowadays, is like one of the good, the, like the best things to get into, like particularly video, particularly the landscape of just, you know, particularly Instagram, but just the landscape of everything at the minute. Um, yeah. I think it's, you know, it's a very clever thing that I think people should pay more attention to, particularly if you create like static images. Um, I think you should always be a step ahead of technology. I'm very far in technology. It's really a big focus of mine. <clears throat> and to compliment your question, most of the people will know Photoshop by now. You know, like most young people would say so. Yeah. So like, like Photoshop, it's not uh, a skill that you should disregard, but like, you know, it's, it used to be special. It's no longer a thing. And then you're like, okay, video is a hot thing now. I'm like, well, I'm 2012. I was making my first, you know, music videos and commercials in my own way with friends and such, you know, at age 15, 16. And that was kind of like the hot thing, you know, the early DSLR ages or whatever. And then I can, I'm past that, but now you're saying there's the golden age of videos now, you know, like I'm past that, I'm into motion design. At the moment, motion design, I think is still kind of rising. Um, so I'm always trying to get that, like, you know, first kind of like step into like, what's the next vibe, the next kind of like hot thing. Uh, but obviously, I think we're pretty much stuck on video for a while at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's really interesting, though, because it makes me think about like your work, because your work is, you know, for the most part, static in the sense of like, you know, it's, you know, paintings on a wall essentially um and that's kind of interesting because you can incorporate a lot of interesting different kind of elements into it um like for instance there's an artist that, that i interviewed ages ago who's lovely called joe peel and she does animations um like across walls and stuff and like things like that are kind of interesting and in how you can combine the two um stuff like that's always very interesting um yeah. so can you describe your work for those who may not have seen it Me? um <clears throat> 
it's a it's a slight tangent, but basically, it will tell you why I can. I usually have a small, short way of telling things. You know, I'm, yeah. it's usually well thought of because uh, uh, while working film, you have to think of strap lines and taglines, so you have to define your film in two lines. So I've kind of like defined myself and businesses and things that I do very very short, basically. Um, so you'd say if I had to describe my work, I would say I'm an illustrator. That means I'm not an artist, label-wise. An illustrator would use their style for brands and outputs and everything. Artists would kind of like create a creation and then put it out to the world to be reflected. I would try to serve people with my style more than like serving something that will like you know yeah. uh, be reflected upon people. But uh, upon that, I would label myself a neon noir illustrator. So neon noir basically kind of like creates that really cool spectrum to which I am. Is like it's very bold colors, but it's very kind of like deep depth, dark contrasty kind of like you know people don't have irises, you know, and pupils. Um, people are cut off. They're like Russian dolls. There's weird things, but basically the colors are are really kind of like popping and, and neon and saturated so neon noir is kind of the term that i came up with to define myself even people don't quite understand it can kind of be like you know take a second to say neon noir what does the set you and i think my work will reflect that would you agree yeah 100 percent. like 100 percent. like your work is phenomenal like it's it's eye-catching and that's what you want it to be um it's so interesting and i loved i actually really loved your reels as well um, I went through all of your reels and like these are so interesting the way you shot them and the way you kind of edited them I think that was really clever because it's like it's not just okay here's the picture uh, here's a reel of what you've done it's not that it's like okay how can you be creative with it um, and kind of show the size and the depth um, I think it's just cool it was just so awesome I had a great time looking at your work um, and your work is like I don't know your work is very fascinating very fascinating Sweet. Um, I don't know it's just something I just I really enjoy it I just really enjoy looking at it um, which is cool what, because what like strikes you the most then i think it's just the use of the use of color and the use of characters but also the use of space as well because i think it's not just you know a tiny image on a piece of paper it's on a wall it's in the environment you know and it's like it's pretty reactionary to everything else around it as opposed to just you know hiding on somebody's wall inside and i'm kind of curious actually just to how you kind of got involved in street art and murals yeah why do i end up on walls instead of yeah yeah absolutely um well basically the, the story of how i kind of end up starting doing graffiti uh would be i'm like 11 12 and oh, that's cool and then the guy next to me is the little brother of a gang member in brussels the city I do oh. that I work in. but the thing is that he's the little brother so he's you know he's the nice guy basically the only thing that little brothers and gang members would do would be tagging they would tag the name of the gang the big brothers would do all the most, you know, the bit, the bit more serious stuff, basically. So he was next to me. He was a good friend of mine, and he was tagging. So um, I kind of like, you know, went along and look at what he did, and that came to be a, a thing that got involved. And my first kind of uh, situation would be, I think we went to a ski class. You know, you're 11 with the school. It's the most expensive thing you can think of back then. You know, to pay, I don't know, four or five hundred euros to go there. It's like insane money for me to go there. Um, and we had to do our name on the rooms of the hostel, basically. Oh. And that was basically the first time I had to do graffiti. And I think I still have it somewhere. Oh, wow. Not me, probably in my house, you know, in, in Brussels, but uh, I think it's still around. But basically, that grew up to be 
<coughs> a thing and I looked into um, I want to really shout out like basically XSG, which is a youth house in Brussels. And I really basically went every Saturday. They had a workshop for Fiddy there. Um, they actually had Fiddy screen printing, break dancing, oh, wow. different things. They were absolutely amazing. And when it, whenever if a book comes in, they're the first people I would absolutely uh, put credit to them because uh, they really shape up how much I know and how much I'm involved in the creative industry, basically. And all for free, you know, it's all like, you know, youth house kind of project, you know, the, the neighborhood project. Um, so that kind of involved in this, but also my brother was really, really involved in sound engineering, you know, and then we, he grew up basically really in the 90s. I was born in the 90s, but um, he would really be involved in hip hop and I would have a major kind of influence from him. So rap was a big thing and I started doing music videos, you know, because that would tie in, you know, uh, like filming, rap, like hip hop, graffiti was all kind of like what we were into. And um, the more I tried to do, like aim for um, music videos and filming people, filming rappers and like filming small skits. I really like these like, do you know these skits that MTV did, which is like just these random kind of like yeah. 15 second things. It's not promoting a show. It's just weird, you know. Yeah. I really like that kind of fast-paced thing, early 2000 thing. So I wanted to do shots like this, you know, for promotional for a cool club or something like this, you know. All these fast editing, music videos and everything. Um, yeah, screen printing, break dancing, all that kind of stuff. I kind of did it as a kid. But street art, for some reason, stuck to me. It was the one that was kind of like, I think there's more to explore in there, you know. And I had no idea how much. Um, it would evolve to be kind of like the, the industry that it is now. You know, you can travel the world, you can be friends with anyone on Instagram. Um, and because it's so physical, you have to be in places, you know, to paint. It's very much kind of like, you know, meeting people and going to places and shaping spaces. It's very, very fun. Uh, and I couldn't expect, you know, I could have gone the, the beat making or the, the break dancing or the, you know, movie um, kind of director or whatever. But Graffiti, I'm, I'm happy to be in this because it's the major route that out of all the branches that I tried to stuck with me. And this is the, still the one that I'm most passionate about. Yeah, it's interesting because it you do have a sense of community, I guess. And it's, it's very much about the places you go to and the people you meet just as well as the work itself. Um, and actually, could you talk a bit about like, do you feel like you're part of a larger art community? 100%. Um, coming back to the motion design agency that I work at, I actually had to do a little talk about me and graffiti and explaining graffiti to people that know nothing about it you know the only thing is like punks in the 60s they don't know any knowledge about, you know more than that it's very interesting to say that like well it's actually the most how we say the, the the art form that is the most populated around the world basically you would have like you know modern art would be very european you know Latino people or, you know, Asian people might have less of a kind of like presence around this. But every single city in the world would have a strong graffiti scene. Every single city. And it's very interesting because it developed into its own thing. And imagine graffiti, but like in, in Chinese characters and, you know, in Georgian uh, characters, like there's, there's all these really interesting kind of alphabet and people kind of dissected letters to be geometrical. The Greek people that I know of, they're very like um, shaping up and like uh, di distorting letters to such an extent, but in such interesting ways, basically. 
Um, but overall, what I mean is that we're spread out throughout the world and the things that we all kind of like want to see what the next city is doing and everything. It's very well connected. And what I mean is like it's way more social. That's what I have to tell people when I tell about graffiti. It's like it's way more social because here, basically in London, every weekend, there's different spots you can go out to paint, you know, legally. And you will meet 20, 30 people. And, you know, my first years of London, I've met just hundreds and hundreds of people onwards every single weekend just like learning and big profile artists which is go there you would meet no one is not reachable you know it's very social yeah and that's something i wanted to ask you is about london and about how does kind of being in that environment affect the work you create and is it like did you ever get um kind of conscious that there are hundreds of well, hundreds but yeah hundreds of other people doing the same thing like does that ever kind of concern you yeah, well, there's interesting. There's two things that I want to talk about about the subject. There's, there's, there's very little competition in graffiti because it's oh, yeah. very within, within the culture of graffiti. It's very frowned upon to copy or be close to someone else. You have to be very, very distinct from everyone, and that kind of forces you to like look into things. And I would say London definitely has a style. Different cities definitely have like this communal style. London is such a diverse place, you know. Most people that I would know are not British, basically. Well, absolutely, like 20% of them would be British. The other one would be basically like a lot of, you know, Italian, Eastern European, a lot of Spanish people, um, people like, you know, like Asians or whatever. And then basically all that creates this kind of like, they all came to London with their kind of style, their knowledge, their input of shootouts. And that created that, like, London is actually diverse in people overall, you know, economically and all kind of stuff. But also in the street art and graffiti scene, it's very, like, fresh. You can definitely see whenever you have people, you know, from Colombia, you can sit, absolutely see their impact of colors. They're very yellow, very warm and everything. You can see the Greek people that I mentioned about where they come in, very nice, you know, geometry and all that kind of stuff. You can really see that input and that really mixing kind of, like, uh, group here in london it's very very cool yeah that's very interesting because actually the idea of um worldly culture and the idea of graffiti is not something i've actually ever thought about and actually london is a good a good spot for it because i guess london is very diverse but that actually that's mm-hmm. kind of really interesting in terms of like like for me i don't really think about like the reach of graffiti and or just art generally around the world you know i'm obviously i'm from the uk um, in the West Midlands so like a lot of the work I see is is from London or it's British artists so actually it's kind of nice to kind of consider the reach of art from you know beyond that yeah it's actually really interesting actually I never thought about that um, and I said that I'm going to do some research into that I think that's really cool because it'd be nice to talk to more international people uh, artists I think that'd be really cool uh, Absolutely. yeah because I've spoken to quite a few people a few artists from different countries already um, but a lot of them are either from America or from the UK just because, um, I don't know, it's just the way that, I guess, the algorithm likes to feed me artists and all the artists I see. So um, it'd be nice to kind of reach out and do a review. That's quite interesting. Yes, you do that. That's a good idea. Thank you very I much. I have a great quiz for you then. Uh, not right now, but basically the next time you go to an art fair or, or you know, some kind of like art event, yeah. to know that like artists usually, like the, the best artists basically are such like, unique and distinct basically from anyone else that normally you take business cards at the yeah. next kind of like you know illustration fair art fair that you go to you take business cards with a lot of people and yeah. then come back home and then show it to you know your, your partner your friend and everything and say yeah. can you please guess 
is, is this person from you know, from a different country? Is this is yeah. this a girl? Is this a man or whatever? And you can see that people usually get it wrong because really good artists are just these kind of like um, just entity that they, they, they really don't belong there. You know, I'm, I'm not like I'm Irish that grew up in Belgium. There's no input of that in my work. You know, yeah. I find it so hard to be my own thing, even when in London, I'm very different. So, for example, there's all these kind of things. Um, and I really appreciate when people are like, you know, if, if you're not, if you're a girl, don't do girly things. If you're like, you know, from like Latin, like Latin America, you know, South America, sorry. If you're from South America, um, you know, colorful colors, they're very known to be known for that. But like, you know, what, what's it like if, uh, if someone from Colombia with strong colorful roots is, is doing black and white work, uh, yeah. black and white work. And what is it like? I, I love when people kind of push boundaries and don't like, um, don't attach themselves to like where they are, who they are, or whatever. Like your art is this separate entity, you know. Like yeah, that's really interesting, and I think that's actually segues very nicely into my next question, which is about identity. It's about um, aliases and artistic identity, um, and the whole idea of kind of anonymity as well. Because obviously, you in your work, when you do post images of your work, and you're in there, you blur your face, and all your face is always obscured. Um, kind of, what is the reason? Is there a reason for that? And what is the reason for that? um not for legal purposes at all like i do not paint like illegally i'm not Hmm. mandos or like all that kind of stuff like i have you know incorporated company under my name like you know quite quite out there but basically i like i like the fact that even though i might feature myself in, in the work uh you should I don't feature myself, I don't paint myself or whatever, but like in, yeah. I'm in the photo, basically, it's just focus on the work. Don't focus on the face. Don't, you don't have to like, it doesn't matter who it is, right? You know, basically, it's just yeah. the work is so strong. Um, that's, that's the person who you should look up to and see how they're like, you know, um, basically, like, don't judge people by how they look because, you know, their work speaks so, like, so well on what they want to show to the world, you know? So it's not that blurring my face, my face is such a thing, but it's basically almost a nod to, to graffiti. Like, this is what graffiti videos are. You know, you, yeah. you blur your face, you paint trains, you, you do, you know, your walls or whatever. It's just kind of like you tend to do this uh, overall. In any legal spots in London, if anyone's like, you know, listening and going to these spots, basically just you can take photos from people, but take them from behind because you never know how people are comfortable, you know, with their yeah, photos. That's true. In public art, so we're in front of everyone. So basically, kind of like that blurring faces, just this nature of like, uh, like, don't focus on the face, focus on the art. That's like, it's a strong thing for me. Yeah, it's just, it's, I thought it was really fascinating because at the minute, I'm very interested in the idea of the artist and the art, you know, and how the artist's identity kind of is shown in the art and or how their personality can either help propel the art or kind of put people off their work. Um, because I think, Particularly nowadays with promotion, for instance, you have a lot of artists who are very at the forefront of their work and you see, you know them and you know their work separately. And there are other people like you, for instance, where you just know your work and, you know, you might get glimpses of you, but we don't really know you. Um, and that's really fascinating to me because it's like, do you ever think that you not being kind of at the forefront of your work and or kind of more present, quote unquote present, it could potentially hinder you? Um, no, not at all. Um, but yeah, I would love to ask you the question. Uh, basically having interviewed so many people and, and like people that would kind of like operate under a separate name and then people that would operate with their real name. Yeah. 
have you had any observation to see are they two different people or is it just a mixed bag of like you know this and this it just happens to be so that's actually really interesting you should ask because the last person i interviewed um called jr chiro that's actually not his real name and i didn't know that because i assumed it was his real name and it's not um and the whole idea for him is that he operates under an alias just because it works out well for the work he does he creates um paper cutouts of um based off subway trains japanese subway trains um and the coral reefs his work's really lovely but jr chiro is actually the name of a train line in japan and i had no idea um so he used that as his kind of alias to create work under um, and there's another artist whose interview I just I've actually just released called Sacred Monolith. Um and yeah. he was funny because he was like, Oh, I don't want my camera on when we record because I don't want anyone to know who I am. And I said, That's fine, like I respect that. But his alias is like a very specific and um it's a whole idea of like, people being attracted to things that they find really interesting, but then how interesting are the things really? It's just like I really love kind of this whole idea of of, you know, just kind of the face of the artist and also kind of the this mysteriousness of the artist. I think it it kind of, it says a lot about the work and a lot about the artists themselves because it's like, are, like, are we actually drawn to the art or are we drawn to artists? You know, like Damien Hurst, we all know who he is, but do mm. we know his, do we like his work for him or do we like his work for the actual work itself? I think yeah. when you remove yourself from the work, you know, I think you're, that question gets answered a bit easier. I like it, I like it, yeah. I, I do think it's like, I think it's healthy to, to work on their different name, to be like, this is the persona, either, you know, a character or some sketch comedy on, on, on Instagram or whatever you want, basically. I think it's healthy to have that, that nickname, that, you know, at name or, you know, like all these, these kind of like pseudonyms. Because you can play who you want, you know, you can portrait things, you can go absurd and it's not attached to you. It's not attached to like, you know, your, your friends and your circle and like, you know, what you stand by because you know people might do i don't know obviously obviously anything that you do political is like just get a pseudonym so like what you say politically is stated and it's heard but like again it's not linked to you in your personal life like i, I think i think it's like i think it's just healthy basically to kind of like uh, work i think everyone should kind of like you know if they're on instagram or whatever like just basically build a profile you have yours, I have mine. Basically, we, we know each other, especially in graffiti. We, I know most people by their name, the graffiti name, right? Yeah. Not their real name. And the thing is that it doesn't matter if I know their real name. Like, yeah. this is what they worked so hard to be. And like, I don't know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's just good. Like, I, that, I don't need to know their real name. That's a really great way to put it. Like, that's what they've worked hard to be. That's actually a really good way to put it because you're right. Yeah. Like, they've chose that deliberately. They've made a very conscious decision to do that as opposed to being like, okay, this is my name, this is what I'm, you know. And also not just that, I think it's kind of, I had this conversation actually with a, a photographer called Mr. Dead Tired. Um, and I asked him the same question. I said, why do you operate into that name as opposed to your actual name? Because he, he told me his actual name and I was like, why do you operate into a different name? And he said, for him, it's just natural for him. And I said, I think it's really interesting that by creating kind of like a persona or an alias, you can be more authentic because you're not tied down to people knowing who you are. You know, you can explore different avenues and different things in a way you wouldn't be able to do with your own name because, you know, you're right. People will see it who know you. And or, you know, there's always a perception there. So I think it's it's very interesting how freeing it can be. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just, and, and also, like, art's very performative anyway. Um, and the idea of, of separating yourself also becomes like a performance in itself. You become a whole different person, um, as you do when you're creating art as to when you're not creating art. So it's kind of, it's a nice parallel. Um I just I find it really fascinating. I find it so fascinating. And um 
have I got I'm trying to think do I have am I going through with anybody else who's got an alias I don't think so not at the minute I don't think so but hopefully at some point is that a food bubble work for now yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> right so um, yeah, I must say it is like the flying football. Like people, other than who I speak to, don't see my face. They don't know who I am. They know my name probably if they looked on the website and they looked underneath the about, but they don't see me. And I, I I'm going to keep it that way as far as I'm concerned. That might change, but I'm going to keep it that way. Um, this yeah. is pretty funny. You want people to focus on, you know, on your work. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Discussions, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's about the work. It's about the art. It's, exactly. about, it's about the cool artists that I like. It's about that. It's not about me. You know. End of the day. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of murals then, and creating a mural, like what is actually kind of like the process in terms of like, you don't just rock up to any wall and spray paint it. It's, it's not like that. Like, is there an actual process behind it in terms of securing permission? Um, cool. So London would be quite a unique city, as like we do have walls where we can just walk by, do it, whatever. Um, <clears throat> Uh, I could name a few, but basically you would have like three major ones, basically almost the entire area of Shoreditch is kind of like what you want to do. Um, it, it's just so spreaded like everywhere in Shoreditch that like, if you were to do it, even if the legality is not there, no one would think it's like unnatural to do it. Then you would have basically a um, really, really cool spot with awesome people, very graffiti-centric is Stockwell, so like Southwest London. It's this arena, almost like it used to be kind of like a sports thing of like squash or basketball, but basically got entirely like um, just invaded by, by graffiti people for the last 20 years already or more. It, it might have been even longer than this. So it's called the Stockwell Hall of Fame. And then you would have basically Leech Street on their Waterloo station, which is basically, these are the like three main spots, but then I could count to you like 10 more, which are basically really like free, and the problem is obviously there's a lot of artists in London and it could get saturated with the demand, meaning that like you come there on a Saturday, you paint it, Sunday morning it's gone. Sunday morning you know, it's covered by someone. That's the circle of life in terms of like the graffiti world. But overall, like in terms of like larger murals and everything, you would have these really cool people here in London that would organize them. London is actually another great, good city for murals in terms of like large scale murals, you know, something that is more than one story, two stories tall. Um, America tends to be very, very cool. There's so much happening basically there because they basically have the right city, which is nicely, nicely spread out. France is also very kind of like uh, dynamic with their mural things because again, it's all about <clears throat> these streets are these like size of buildings, which tends to be like plain, you know. London tends to be so stuck together with a specific architecture with bricks and windows everywhere that it tends to not be a natural environment basically for uh, murals to, to, to be basically but i've done commissions for large uh, large scale like walls and everything and it tends to the process just tends to be I actually never worked a lot on admin there's a lot of admin for people that kind of like get the, yeah. these walls uh, it's a lot of like councils and these neighborhoods um groups whatever you call them or whatever but normally people that work on that aspect of the admin side reach out to me saying all right i've unlocked the wall let's do it together um but the actual technical aspect to it of me you know getting there and, and do something um for me on a weekly basis when i go out and paint i actually don't never know what i paint i actually never know what i paint until five minutes before oh uh, 
I, I go to the wall. I usually have my set colors. You've seen that my colors tend to yeah. be a bit stuck between these purples, these turquoise, the magenta. And it's kind of like this switch from, uh, you know, RGB, red, green, blue. Yeah. So green goes to turquoise, red goes to magenta, and then blue goes to uh, basically turquoise. Uh, well, basically, yeah. <laughs> you get. I, I tend to go with the. I call them like the new school colors. The old school will be a bit more like okay, blue and red. I'll, I'll be like okay in between. I'm like purple and I'm like magenta. So I would come with my palette of colors. I kind of know what works together, and then I use Instagram a lot in terms of like saving posts. And I have basically this big collection of poses and effects and compositions that I really like and I kind of like screenshot three or four or five six things in front of the wall and I kind of like all right, I'm just going to merge this with this and this with this and it kind of creates that like um surreal thing it's not really prepared uh, it has my touch to it because you know it also it's a good training for me to be like right, I'm going to do an object I'm going to do a screwdriver and a, and a cat you know like whatever works you know okay. And I think it has this kind of like impulsive thing. And the good thing is that I'm, I'm also very busy during the week. So I don't really sketch things out or prepare or never have time for this, basically. So it's very about when I'm in front of the wall, no sketching, check Instagram, what feels right for now. I'm next to people, you know, like this guy does this, this guy does this. Actually, around Facebook work, maybe like, you know, I don't know, long landscape of work, you know, whatever. So I really like to kind of like feel the moment and, and do it like this. But yeah, commercial work I do. Yeah, I do time into preparing stuff. But yeah, that's actually, that's absolutely incredible. Like that is really incredible. I'm actually really surprised by that because when you look at your work, like it doesn't look like it's impulsive. It looks very considered. Um, so actually, that just goes to prove like a kind of your level of talent because it does not look like that. I never would have thought. Oh, actually, you are very impulsive. I would have thought you would have been a bit more like. Oh, actually, I know what I'm going to do, and I have a plan. Um, I'm very impressed with that. Um, like very impressed and actually at some point I think later on this month I'm on holiday from work and so I am planning to come down to London for a bit and just kind of wander around and, and visit some galleries and I'm really hoping I get to see work at some point somewhere because that would be absolutely perfect um, that would be so cool uh, my commercial work at the moment is really popping so I can give you spots that are yeah like please do <laughs> absolutely I and can I give you some, uh, for sure you're not going to be there basically Absolutely. And, and actually, talking about commercial work, let's talk about the Trifle Factory. Because um, yeah. that was so, so amazing, like so incredible. Um, yeah. To, could you talk about that? Like, how did the opportunity come up? Kind of, what did you do? How did you decide what to do? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm basically signed and slash represented uh, by three kind of collectives agency kind of vibes and uh, I can list them all because they're great people and they're amazing. They do their different things. They're not into, you know, basically um, blank walls, great people. Um, and they give me a couple of opportunities here and there or whatever. Then Lawless Studio, really, really interesting. They, merge, they really also dig my materiality. They also tied with tattoo stuff and installations. I really like what they do. And then basically try for this, um, just to explain, it's the big, chocolate room that I did uh, from seating to like three walls and then basically big life-size chocolate part. Not life-size would be the wrong term, sorry. Yeah, I'm talking giant, giant um, chocolate bar, basically. But no, they're great people. And this one, I got it on basically I'm in an agency and the name is kind of like, okay, you know, but it's great for the, you know, SEOs, basically it's called Book and Artists. 
Yeah. And um, it just happens to be that um, the SEOs are good and uh, there's a lot of like inquiries and, and, and demands from there. And it could be from very simple things that, you know, tend to not be really focused about, or, like, you know, children's bedrooms and that kind of stuff. But it can go into, like, you know, I've worked with Wonder Brothers and, you know, OnePlus and O2, big brands from there. So the scale and the range of things could be very big. But um, Trifle came along, and they're amazing people, basically. They will be based in, like, Algate White Chapel here in London. And they, it was all their idea. I just executed, but uh, they're just wow. very creative and daring people, they were like, there's these tiles, the office tiles, which is one them to be chunky bits. I was like, wow, okay, cool, I get you. There was barely, normally there's a whole phase for me to kind of like, I sketch up three to five different things for clients yeah. and they can kind of choose and mix and match, right? For these guys, it was linear process. They're like, this is what we want. You know, we're going to build this. We want this chocolate bar. See, we want it like this and we want the chips. I'm like, wow, well, I get you. Yeah. Give me tonight, and, you know. And there was no correction. They knew exactly. We, we were very aligned with what was happening. It took me about, I think, a good weekend and then a tiny bit on like the, the Monday evening. Um, but um, yeah, it, it was quite a large scale, intensive in the way that I had to paint a ceiling, <laughs> almost like, you know, frescoes like in the yeah. 14th century or that kind of stuff. But it's basically just a ladder. And then a, a lot of people, like, not thousands, sorry, dozens and dozens of people. I've asked about um, that it hurt or like, you know, my neck or whatever. And the thing that I have to keep on saying to people, I painted chocolate tiles on office um, ceilings, basically. But I was painting the tile in front of me, not the one above me. Uh-huh. So I didn't kind of like break my neck looking upwards. It's kind of like looking in front of me. My eyes were slightly tilted up. <laughs> my arms were still flat, basically. Uh, and there's a cool video process if you want to have a look. Um, but, um, yeah, basically it was a, a fun one and I got other ones that are really, really cool that are yet to be posted, but, uh, I got things along the lines of, um, this is really cool, uh, baseball venue that basically wanted, um, not to be focused on American baseball, but like, like Latino and Korean and Colombian baseball oh, wow. and a lot of like vintage kind of like posters, like folded, all that kind of stuff. That was cool. Um, I'm already discovering since we're going into a bit of my commercial work, I'm really discovering the, the possibilities of like really talking to like, um, uh, like PR agencies and like these marketing people and events people really working into like using murals and street art and live painting. Also, I, I like to like, you know, paint live at, at events and that kind of stuff. And the things that it attracts way more people and, and photos and attention from people than a, a billboard or poster and ad. It just, it, it just absolutely, you know, astronomical difference between the, the engagement of people, of seeing someone doing it live. You know, imagine, if, you know, same, so Shoreditch would be famous for their street art advertisement, you know, which would be like super large. We're talking like, I would talk in meters, but basically 20 meters by 10 meters, you know, like huge things. But the whole side of the building would be an ad. And the thing is that the fact that they're painting ads for, you know, the last one that I saw, I think was for a, a watch brand you know like luxurious goods or whatever that would just be you know quickly flipped upon in a magazine or something like this but because it's painted on a huge scale by someone by hand tailor-made people just love to stick around take photos put the hashtag the qr code whatever works with them and i'm working more and more with these kind of things and i want to get into like 
almost installations, but not like sculptures. That's not my thing, but like really kind of like, you know, install a multi-surface thing and then paint all these surfaces together. And, you know, all these like conventions and that kind of stuff could really use, I think, uh, a large kind of like, you know, just at the entrance, something really cool, something inventive, something creative, you know? It's, it's just so much opportunity and it's next level kind of like, you don't have to go digital screens all the time. You can go with like, you know, someone, Give, give, give money to an artist to paint something live that's like super like engaging. So it's about the experience for you then, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, I want to be passionate about it for sure. You can yeah, you no, can, no, no. That's, I think that's amazing. And I think that's actually what's really exciting about you and your work. I think that's, that's what's exciting about it is that you're, you've thought about it logically. You're not just like, oh, okay, I'll just paint this really cool wall and take a picture of it and post it and that's it. It's like you're actually thinking like, okay, so I've got this idea. I've got, you know, obviously the skill of doing this. How can I not just make money from it, but also how can I help other people and how can I see, get eyes in it in a positive way, not just for the sake of like, oh, this is a good image. It's like, okay, so how can this, you know, go to the next level? And I think that's clever because I think consumerism and art, you know, sometimes they don't go hand in hand. Sometimes it can be very like, you know, you sacrifice a lot, you know, with art and consumerism. But I think the way, you're, the way you describe it is actually really clever. And actually, I'm really, really excited to see what you're getting up to because that sounds really interesting. Um, yeah. And, and there's actually an artist that I'll send you later called Base Twenty Three. Um, yes. Yeah, and familiar with. Him. Have you ever seen his work? Yeah, I I interviewed him a while back, and his work is incredible. Um, Absolutely. And I Amazing. think, um, yeah, it's just interesting, just the kind of your idea of like experiences of art as opposed to just an image, um, because you know yeah. we all see images all, every day. Um, I don't know. I think it's your your career is very exciting. That's what I'm going to say. I think it's very exciting. Oh, and I like it. It's, it. It kind of comes back to your first question, which is like, imagine I could imagine other artists explaining that a sacrifice would be like, I don't want to sacrifice my integrity for brands, for example. Yeah. And I'm like, it can work to such a point as an artist to be creative enough that you can serve brand while keeping your style. Yeah. People are so scared of like, okay, I have to completely change myself. It's like, well, no, if you're good enough, if you're flexible to some aspect to create things in your own style, absolutely, it's not a problem. You know, you, you get to create more. It still is you. It's still part of your personality. You serve a brand. You get paid. There's exposure. It's public. I think it's it's all winning. I just have to be like open-minded and ready to work with brands because, well, um, I work in the advertising industry, you know, full-time as a motion designer. So I'm pro kind of like all these things and I think they're good. But um, it's just something that like artists are very anti-ad or anti-brands or whatever. It's like, it's it's stupid to think that it goes only that, you know, it's short-sighted to see it that way, basically. There's such an insane, cool way of like, if you're like, I don't like ads because they're that way. Well, think of it how ads could be like this, this, all of the level of ads that can be which can feature what you create you know i think it's entirely there that's what i'm doing it is doing very well for me i think it's really it's really really good to hear an artist talk about it like that i think it's really good and i think that's what's going to separate you from other people when people approach you you're not going to be like yeah. oh no i won't do that you'll be like oh actually let's think about it let's talk about it let's discuss it um so i think yeah. that's you know i think clearly it's working for you so far um so clearly it's only going to work for you even more in the future so i think you know that's very, very exciting. And I think it's such a good mentality to have. And actually one that maybe other people should adopt more of, like particularly myself, when I think about art and advertising, I, I kind of, I always kind of give more of a negative spin on it when actually maybe I shouldn't, maybe actually I should think about it more in a positive way. Because end of the yeah. day, I've, like ads are still ads, like it's a part of life, you know? Um, so yeah. also, I just want to talk to you also about, so you're part of a duo 
with um, Sidok. Yes. Could you talk about that? Because actually, ironically, I had no idea. And I actually messaged him ages ago to, for, to feature on the Flying Fruit Bowl. And I was going to interview him at some point. So he's on my a very long list of people to potentially interview. Um, so <laughs> I, didn't, I had no idea you two were actually a duo. So could you talk a bit yeah. about that in terms of like, like when did you decide to become a duo and kind of what work do you create into that? And how is it different from your your portraits? Sweet. Um it's, it's weird to explain in, in details because basically it's just these people that you meet and they click. Yeah. Is there much to say? No, it's just basically, it's just kind of like, I was painting, I remember it was in the winter or something like 2018, my first year in London. And um, he was painting with a guy called Poor, another amazing artist. And I basically talk a lot to this poor guy and whoever Sidak was, uh, okay, not, not today. You know, I didn't really talk to him that day, whatever. And, you know, it's, again, what I tell you is it's very social. You go out to your walls and you talk to people. And I don't know exactly what happened, but basically for some reason, I, I stuck with his style. He, what I'm telling you again is like, so he's, he's, he's from Ukraine and he has this unique input in London because London people be doing London things, you know, and that, like they would have this recognizable style. He comes from Ukraine and has this absolutely unique, no one is near his vision basically and that really kind of like struck with me and our styles are not really similar in any way this is why the duo that i'm trying to do is interesting because like a lot of duos tend to be like all right we're so similar we might as well like you know join forces yeah. um but our we're, we're we're doing interesting kind of creations together i think because we're not the same we're not we don't have the same vision but we have this really cool kind of like synergy and harmony between well, way of thinking and uh, basically we have this duo which is a bit more accent, um, uh, focused into the, the, the commercial aspect of like we essentially want to like sell it as like this glorified interior design kind of like duo which is we're using murals in spaces and in offices and restaurants more than we shaped you know the space with chairs and tables and everything and we go along all that kind of like um, kind of vision with you know basically shaping space is such an awesome thing basically and I'm really only realizing it now there's a few things I'm like recently I'm like wow fashion is actually really interesting I didn't care about fashion until a few months ago and architecture was always something I was like wow I really like it but I've, I never wanted to dive into learning into it because I know it's such a mathematical kind of aspect to which I'm not sure but the, the space between kind of like shaping up and fashion and design and architecture, all that tied up to like the freshness and the colors and the boldness of graffiti, but also on that tone of like luxurious kind of like, you know, murals is something that we really want to kind of like target into it. And at the moment, London is amazing people um, doing great things, but no one is really focused on this. People kind of like these, these um, you know, uh, these corporate murals, that's what they call it. It's kind of yeah. like a side for them. And they tend to be, you know, a small little doodle art, um, illustrator on the side. And then you would have big agencies doing murals, you know, these large ads, painted murals or whatever. But no one is really kind of like diving into like, okay, cool, let's listen to like what this business is about. Um, you know, they tend to stake, you know, to like, imagine if every single levels of a WeWork is like a different mural. And it fits the business, or it fits kind of like the mood of what the, the um, how they call it again, the shared workspace would be. Um, 
there's such kind of these cool things. Of, you can see that I'm like <clears throat> a more illustrator designer. So I listen to people and I like to serve them visually. So the duo is called Ephemeral. It's kind of like a hint to ephemeral. Basically, you know, our graffiti is ephemeral. They're kind of gone the next day, the next week. But Ephemeral is kind of like there to stick <clears throat> like forever, basically, in places and shapes. And um, it's kind of like this really cool conversation that means you know has into like shaping spaces with like the most cool like amazing ways we can go full on abstract we can go full on typography we can create portraits we can do all these kind of things but also like involve our input you know and it works so far like you know with me my my own projects and we have cool color projects as a duo together very soon basically do i think you're i don't know i think like the like the way you talk and your background i think it it's really, really clever. And it, it kind of, I know I've said exciting about it a few times now, but it is really exciting because it kind of makes me think like, you're not going into art like, oh, I want to create a really nice image. You're going to it saying like, I want to create a nice image with a purpose. And I think yeah. that the idea of with a purpose is what's going to propel you further because it's like, you're thinking about the end product of the business you're, you're having. And or, of, you know, and even, even I'm imagining the walls you create, you're thinking about, okay, who's going to see this? What will they get out of it? What can they, you know, see envision for themselves in their own space and i think that's that's a really clever way of working that that most artists i've spoken to don't actually think about um, yeah. so that's very valuable and i think I, you'll be really good i said to everybody but you'll be really good at teaching i think you'll be very good at teaching um i yeah, think most I, artists i think most yeah. artists would be i think they just don't really realize it but i think you would be very good at teaching like, i would love to hear you do like just you know kind of communicating with clients and stuff you'd be so good at that um sure. i think it'd be great i think it'd be great very i was very introverted shy and calm for the longest amount of time and i'm just talking too much but basically um just to add to your point it's just it was really interesting that um when you say create you know an image with a purpose it's really cool and uh, back to the people saying you know like you know integrity of art is only if you work for yourself and pure creation don't get involved with brands so tying it back to my agency uh that i work with we create you know basically motion design we create videos for the biggest brands you can think of, all the most, the 500 most famous ones, all of them, right? I've worked for hundreds of the biggest brands. And the thing that I've learned is that we do this very interesting system where we present the content first time to the client. And we tend to present 10 videos, something like this, right? They're short videos normally, they're about 10, 15 seconds, you know? And um, we always do three things. We show them what they want, we showed them basically that, that would be called the safe one, you know, the safe kind of versions, you know, we showed them exactly what they briefed. Then we showed them the most exciting ones. And then, you know, this is the kind of like the, the fun part of the, you know, the, the job, right? And then there's the wild cards. The wild cards is like, this is absolutely not what they've asked for, but, you know, and I'm working with, you know, L'Oreal and, and, you know, TikTok and Activision, that kind of stuff. And the things that you'll be very, very surprised how much they can change their mind for the next campaign, knowing you did that wild card because it pushes their boundaries so far. And I would say anyone that says don't work with a brand, I'm like, well, push the boundary of the brand by showing that what you do is so good that it's worth pursuing, basically. And I, I do this, you know, with the, the chocolate thing, uh, the, the, you know, the trifle factory, the, that mural, but we did things for Wonder Brothers or whatever, where we really pushed kind of like things while offering what they wanted, the safe kind of like options, you know, um, just really, really kind of like push the things and be like, I did three designs this is what you kind of want but like let me show you two more designs which is absolutely wild and it's your working hit you know 
And sometimes it's a bit too well for them, but it pushed the boundary to be a bit further for next time, you know. And that's such a valuable thing that I've learned. And it's also really great as well, though, because like it looks amazing and it's so different from anything else I've ever seen. Um, and I think that's that's what makes it amazing. Like it's just incredible. And like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, damn, I need to screenshot this. <laughs> I need to talk about this. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is so cool. And I was like, and actually it's funny because a lot of your stories that you had um, showing the murals you did, I actually screenshot a lot of them because I was like, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. Um, because no, because I like to do my research. If I'm, if I'm interviewing somebody, I'm going to take the time to look at their work. And I actually, I actually looked up to see if you actually do any interviews. And you haven't really done that many interviews, um, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I just, I, I was, I, I, for a graffiti artist, I would proportionately have done quite a few, I think. Uh, but I know that what I mean for graffiti people is such a small limited amount where yeah. you know, there's just not many that, that much resource. Yeah, for... but I say they, they might be in print because I, when I looked online, I couldn't really find much. I found obviously your bio. Um, and like, like a little bit more here and there, but like nothing too intensive. Where normally when I look for artists, the first thing I do if I'm going to interview somebody is look at their interviews to see what they have and what they haven't said. Um, mm-hmm. And then just completely ignore that and then just write my own questions. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I'm just really curious. And I'm just curious also because you're very mysterious. And I think your work is also very good, but it's also you're very mysterious. And I think okay. graffiti, I think graffiti itself and kind of street art is very, you know, sometimes people frown upon it because it's like, oh, it's vandalism or like, oh, people don't understand it. And I think it's such an important, and I said, I feel like I said this about every art form, but it's like, it's underrated. I feel like more people need to understand like there's intent behind it. It's not just, oh, let's just paint something on a wall very mindlessly. It's actually, no, there's actually intent behind it. There's a purpose to it. Um, mm-hmm. and rather walk past a wall and be like, oh no, that's a vandalism. Like it's not vandalism, it's art. There's a very fine line. And actually, what is your opinion on people who think that graffiti is vandalism? Uh, well, if you grew up beyond loving graffiti, you love the vandal part of it. You, you love the, you know, it's not like I'm every weekend out there, you know, painting illegally every single wall on the street and trains and such, but you really have this love for it because it's just the culture it's just it's very it's very punk it's very skates you know like you can go to the skate park it's all in well but skating in the streets you know it's like you know skating in these like financial areas on the weekends where uh, you know it's all empty but uh, you know these this concrete structures are so cool for skaters yeah. it's the same basically so you, you can go both ways and both ways are extremely interesting it's basically how you kind of like tag along and it's just really the mindset of, of people um, I would, you, you can see from me, I have a mindset of like, okay, cool, creation. I want to spend time on what I do um, and everything is obviously that the, the vandal part would be, it's also interesting, like vandal part is limited by time, right? You don't want to, you don't want to get caught. So everything has to go fast, but also like, how do you develop a style, which is interesting, but also can be applied fast. So there's also cool, you know, this cool magic and this cool kind of like style exploration that can go into it. So um, it's just literally a, a matter of personality where you fit more, you like, you want to spend time on things and create, you know, like beautiful pictures for people. I do kind of want to, you know, kind of like rep your name as much as possible. And that's essentially, you know, what graffiti is, is like, um, I do a lot of figurative and, you know, like, you know, beautiful kind of pictures now, but for a decade, I was only doing letters. And I'm proud to be good at my letters and my tagging and my, my throw-ups and all the kind of, cool stuff that is, you know, involved in graffiti. And I still do my homework, you know, for all that kind of stuff, you know, I'm still very linked to like what graffiti is, you know, and I can, I can go with anyone from, from the culture and still prove myself, you know, I didn't lose touch with anything, you know. 
yeah, I think that's nicer because you're pushing it in a different direction. Um, in a yeah. more commercialized direction, but in a positive way, as opposed to just being like a cash grab or like, oh, this is trendy. I'm going to jump on this. So, yeah. you know, I have a lot of respect for you and for what you're doing. I think it's great. Um, exactly. And actually talking about commercialism, one thing I was really and curious about is that your work is very accessible. Like you sell your work in a variety of different kind of mediums, like from like clocks and stuff. And I was kind of, I'm really interested actually. Like I, why did you decide to do that? And kind of how do you decide where to draw the line in terms of commerciality for your work? Um, sorry, do you want to give a bit more context? Sorry. Yeah, like, so, well, yeah, no, no. So for instance, like, you know, you could be like, oh yeah, sure. I'll just sell prints and that's it. But like, you know, you're like, actually I'll sell like, I'll sell mugs, I'll sell t-shirts, I'll sell hoodies, I'll sell clocks. Like, how do you decide what oh, you do and what you don't okay. want to sell your work on? Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, my, my shop on my website is not very active. <laughs> uh, it would be linked to Society6, which is kind of this print on demand. So you don't have to worry about production. And I used to really love print on the man. It was such a fantastic thing to be like as an artist, really um, just focus on creating. And then, you know, this is this automated version of, okay, producing, you know, um, merchandise that people can buy. Um, but uh, the only thing that I can tell you about this is commercialization. Oh, that's a hard word for me. But, yeah. but uh, basically selling my artwork would be, <clears throat> there's an interesting thing basically that I do, I used to do about like, 10 group shows a year, you know, before COVID and all that stuff is I used to really do like extensive amount of like cool group shows and apparitions in different like galleries and studios and everything. I mostly never sold anything because my artwork would be kind of like not really commercial. It would be quite dark, you know, like colorful, but dark. It's like people don't really want this on a large scale or, you know, maybe, maybe people don't want that. People want that, you know, soft, nice illustration for the bathroom, you know, or like something like this. Right? It wouldn't be commercial in that aspect. But the thing that I found is that I get the eye of a couple of people being present, basically, at these galleries. And I would do commissions for them. I would do commissions, like, basically private work for them, that kind of stuff. So in terms of selling my artwork, I've quickly noticed that, like, me doing merchandise and trying to sell this whole, like, world of mine as an artist doesn't really click with people for some, for some reason. I can push it a bit further. But uh, at the moment, it's really that kind of like, this is kind of like a portfolio kind of like presentation. Do you like it? Okay, let's do something together. Okay. And just that's the thing that kind of naturally worked for me. Um, again, like I've never really sold much. And I'm sure, you know, there's amazing artists. Um, and also being in graffiti and in illustration and in design and, you know, digital illustration, that kind of stuff. I would know so many people uh, um, in different things. And I would know people that sell very well. I would know people that sell very well at different shows and art fairs and everything. But for some reason, I'm just not that, like, basically that thing. But the thing is that the amount of money that we would do at an art fair, I could do it, in, you know, in about two days, talking and really listening to someone and doing commission, private commission. So it just tends to be like, that's how my business slowly shifted towards. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because it's like that's kind of in a sense your niche. That's kind of where the value is for you and your work and also for you as an artist as well because you're very passionate about it when you speak about it. Um, it's yeah. not like you're saying, you know, oh God, I've got to do these commissions. It's like you're really excited to work with the people and, and kind of understand their vision and execute their vision. You know, so I think that's really cool. And also, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I, I'm not really in that kind of like... Um, well, let me know if like a bunch of your artists, they're essentially... It looks so stressful for me to be an artist which works in a studio, works so hard on different pieces and have to tour these outfits 
but you mostly have to pay big money to be here. Yeah, yeah, of course. Then you have to bet that you sell artworks to these strangers, and that's like your way of living. It's so stressful for me. It's like basically, I show my artwork, I don't expect much of it, and I basically like that I have this certainty of like convincing at least two or three people that we can do something great together, you know, with friends and everything. It feels more comfortable and more like stable, basically, as like, I don't know, to me, the artist life, you know, studio and art fair seems so stressful. It's so like, you really have to believe that this is gonna sell. Yeah, because you know? there's no guarantee. Like, yeah, and, and yeah. most, yeah, a lot of people I speak to are very kind of like, there's no guarantee and it's, it, you just can't tell what's gonna happen. There's no security. The one thing I've learned is art is not a business to get into if you wanna be rich. Um, Absolutely. I've learned. Um, Absolutely. So I have, so I have a question for you from the last artist I interviewed, and and I would like a question from you for the next artist. So the cool. question from the last artist, who is J.R. Chuo, he asked, "What are your plans for the future?" Um, well, really, this duo is like the fresh thing, and the thing is that the duo has a lot of potential. Meaning that, like, the baseline is we're a duo. We do interior and exterior murals. Okay. But then it gets really interesting when we add these additional services, essentially, to like augmented reality. That's really merging uh-huh. the motion design stuff that I do with the murals and everything. And to me, I remember I went to meet a friend of mine who, who does a lot of projection mapping. There's a whole company built around it. And he said, uh, augmented reality is such a, such a 2015 thing. I'm like, dude, it, it never launched. Augmented reality is still not mainstream. It's yeah. still not put out there. And I feel like uh, whoever I saw that was doing murals that was animated through augmented reality, they were never the same people creating the wall and animating it. Yeah. And I have this expertise that I can do both of it. So basically, my plan for the future is really much that like my knowledge and, and interest of technology with the murals and art for brands and spaces and people and in myself, you know, like the main thing that I do is stickers and prints. The, the only thing that I kind of like sell or give to people. The all augmented reality just blows people away still. Come on, everyone is familiar with augmented reality at this point and still they're blown away by the ways that I do it. So the future for me is very much into this. And then we want to have other things like live painting. It's just, we love to get you know involved in, again, spaces and, and promoting kind of like products, but things or missions and you know ideas and collective, whatever people have to do. Um, so it's very involved with like people and places and just London is slowly waking up now from, from COVID. And I think yeah. just this burst of like situations and opportunity now. Um, so that is like short term and long term. It feels like this is like a good long run for me. That's amazing. That is honestly is, is super exciting. I'm actually really, really looking forward to see what you do. Um, do you yeah. have a question for the next ISI interview? Um, okay. Give me a few seconds then. Yeah, that's fine. So I hate small talks and I usually think of always good questions. Um, cool. Well, maybe go along. Maybe come back. I would love to learn about then the, the, um, the, the dilemma. I would love to hear, to hear about the dilemma of the integrity of an artist. Dilemma. The integrity of an artist of like creating things for yourself versus creating things for others, aka brands or things or whatever. Like when is there a, is there a limit to when something is no longer your creation and it becomes this product 
um, is there, you know, this, this philosophical kind of like discussion basically that goes around what defines an artist, what defines a designer, what defines an illustrator. Um, yeah, just this abstract concept basically to dive into it. That would be a good question, I think. Okay, that's absolutely really, that's really interesting. And I, I have an idea of who I'm going to interview next. I'll send you their work later. Um, I don't know for sure if I'm going to interview them or not yet because I've got a very long list and I've a very, I've got a lot of things to schedule. Um, <laughs> so um, I'll decide. But um, yeah, actually, that's a really that's actually a really good um, question. That's just a really good topic of discussion as well. That's perfect. And I, I love that kind of discussion. So what I really like about you is that like I feel like you'd be so good at interviewing people because you have really interesting insights. Um, I think yeah. it'd be great. Yeah. You should, you should, you should think about doing that. Maybe interview friends that do graffiti. Maybe you should think about that. Just There's saying. Amazing things that I want to do, but it's just a matter of time. I'm just, I'm oh yeah. Absolutely... Oh yeah. Uh, it takes some time. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. There's these things that I really want to do, but it's just like time is not of the essence at the moment. Um, oh yeah, of course. Basically, asked the question to you is like, into interviewing artists is like where where did that really quickly you know like get into it is like. If, if if I'm good at asking questions or interviews or get conversations going, like I would say, basically Nardwar would be, you know Nardwar. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. You know the the musical kind of like an interviewer, right? And he does yeah. amazing, super like well researched things. Otherwise, it's as a normal conversation. The Sean Evans from the Hot Ones. Yeah. The the Hot Wing Show from YouTube, basically, just this amazing kind of like super. He becomes your friend in a second. So these would be kind of like my I, this is if I were to get to ask people questions, these are kind of like the way to that I would appreciate and like, you know, look upon to like, where, where, where is your nature of like asking questions to people and your interest of knowing about artists? Well, actually, it kind of, it was kind of quite accidental, to be honest. Um, it's just because Anne Symes, who's the first person I interviewed via Zoom, she didn't want to do a written interview because before then I did written interviews. Um, and she was like, oh, let's do a Zoom call. And I was like, I've never used Zoom before. So I did it. And I was like, actually, I really enjoyed this. Um, and actually, I'm nature-wise, I'm quite I'm quite introverted and I'm quite reserved. Um, I'm not a huge fan of talking to people necessarily, but with mm-hmm. artists, like I can talk to artists for hours. Like I just I like art. I think art's interesting. Like it's such a it's such a risky business, and uh, not just that. It's like you offer so much to the world, but you don't really get anything back necessarily. And I like talking to people about that and kind of their journeys. I just think it's I think yeah. it's just very underrated, and I like talking to I like to start talking to people about it. Um, and also it gives me also somebody asked me this the other day a really cool photographer called another film he asked me oh what's like why do you do it beyond just talking to people and i said it gives me a purpose like it gives me something to wake up for because it's something interesting to do um which probably sounds a bit sad but like it's it gives me something to do like outside of my i have you know i have a full-time job this is my job on the side it gives me something mm-hmm. to do i'm not watching netflix i'm getting to talk to people which is perfect you know that suits me perfectly fine um, oh, that's the same. i would do the same that's just me though i mean yeah other people it's like when i talk to people at work about interviewing people they're like oh okay and i'm like okay cool <laughs> it's like you know what it means to me and what it means to other people are very different things and I, i've kind of learned that and i think i don't know i just thought i really enjoy doing it and i have no plans to stop anytime soon so it's all good um what can i say well you won't reach a limit of, of artists to talk to i think ever oh so. no that like my save posts on instagram are, are like thousands deep at this point um <laughs> yeah and it's just like I just I need to I actually need to take a break from Instagram just to not look at people's work because every single day I'm like another ten artists I really want to interview another ten artists and I'm like and, and the, like the thing that I'm very grateful about is that I can just 
rather than just be like, yeah, I really like your work. I can be like, okay, let's talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that. I like the fact that, you know, I have the opportunity to reach out and be like, you know, actually, let's talk about this. Let's just because I'm intrigued more than just to see an image and like it and, and give you a follow and continue. It's like, let's create yeah. conversation. And then it helps other people who are the artists and just people who are interested in art. Um, yeah. That's for me. That's what I get out of it, at least. I think that's fun. I mean, that's yeah. just me being. That's well, just me. I would, I would, if, if you want as a final like, uh, question to, like, between you and me, I can give my answer, but I would love to hear you as a first to say, I have to get off Instagram. Like, what's your relationship with it? And uh, what's your perception of other people with it? Do you think it's like this toxic, unhealthy thing? Or do you think it's like, it's actually this really cool, inspirational place to be? So my opinion has changed quite drastically over the last year. Uh, like a year ago, I would have been like, I hate social media. I don't like it. It's it's the devil. It's a necessary evil. Whereas now I'm like, with the right attitude and approach, it's a very, very, very helpful tool. Like I wouldn't do what I'm doing without social media, like period. I wouldn't do any of this. None of this exists. I wouldn't get to meet so many cool people. Um, but I think you just have to be careful of how you use it. And you have to be careful that you don't get stuck into the trap of popularity. Because it's not mm-hmm. about popularity. As I say to everybody, it's, the way I see it is that it's community over competition. That's how I always say it, because it's about community. It's about what you can bring to other people as opposed to being you know, popular. Like, I don't care about popularity. Yeah, sure, I'll, of course, or who doesn't want more followers, let's be honest, but I don't care. I want engagement. I want people to message me and say hi. I want people to you know, talk about the work that I post. I want artists to collaborate with one another because I've seen them through the fine fruit bowl. Like, that's awesome. Like, to me, that's, that's the purpose. Um, you know, figures, numbers are just a figure. You know, if you've got a million followers, unless you have a million pounds in the bank, it makes no difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's no, my opinion. <laughs> exactly. And um, as you said, like getting these, like, you know, private messages from people saying that, like, your, your, your work is really directly impacting them or whatever is absolutely worth, you know, 100 million likes, whatever you want, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, I would always aim for like comments and, and private messages, but it's worth it, the conversation, basically. But yeah. yeah. I'm an overly optimist person. I have an absolutely optimist kind of, I have an optimist perception of automation, uh, all the dark stuff that comes in the future and everything. I'm very positive because I do a lot of research. I do a lot of like data analytics and everything. I have a lot of books, basically. I'm very statistic, like a lot driven. And I love the fact that like, if you look at the statistics, so many things are so much better and they're bound to be so much better. There's a lot of like bad stuff going on at the moment, but basically just, Within all that, to me, Instagram is. I didn't get on Instagram until very late. I think like 2018-ish. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, that's some something around there. I don't know the date specifically, but uh, the for some reason I think I, I was um, growing up in Belgium. It's very interesting growing up in, in Belgium. They're moving to here. Not many people use Instagram in Belgium compared to UK, basically. So UK yeah. and USA would be like extremely like normal basically but then the more you know i went to croatia like last year it's like no one uses it you know it's like this very interesting cultural shift but overall i think it's like the most as you said it's like your attitude is a big thing but to me the way i say it is like it's a tool so if you think it's negative it's probably because you indirectly do something negative with it yeah and you have negative results to it it's because i created well i follow my artists very well and i only get good stuff and basically I, my, my, big, uh, <clears throat> my big challenge every day, every week, every month is to get inspired and get ideas for things, you know, and then, you know, with my work and my, on my freelance stuff and my, you know, neural projects, I need to get ideas fast. And the thing is like, this is my biggest portfolio. 
of, of ideas and brainstorms. And this is what I mean is like, I can go on the wall five minutes before brainstorm some ideas. And the things I've, I've had a small effort every so often while I feed, you know, I, I, I look into my, my feed and I got the stuff and I, I get like inspiration just every, every three posts, amazing. Let's get these colors. And then, you know, a couple uh, posts later, okay, let's get this composition, whatever. And a lot of people, it's interesting to see that dynamo with people saying, I had to get off Instagram. And then it's like, Instagram was not the evil there. It's like, whatever you were doing with Instagram was the evil. They just have to like self-reflect. Self-reflect is a very big word yeah. for me. Uh, but basically self-reflect and know that like, who's responsible here? It's probably you, basically. So Instagram is such this amazing kind of like, tool basically it is it's, it's only telling you like you know what you're doing in your behavior so it's such a important thing so i discovered so many artists that especially for me learning your curation i was really really intrigued with this because i did you know interviews with other people and i can see just okay of course another graffiti guy another graffiti guy but i can see definitely that you have different kind of interests and different things and that's what really really intrigued me but also to me the whole kind of like and it's a whole conversation, the whole like N NFT kind of like burst in, in January, February, maybe discover a, a million artists in a month. And I was so amazed by how much like undiscovered, untapped artists that I didn't know about. Um, so Instagram is absolutely positive, magic place for me. Um, it is a bit shit and annoying now with algorithm and rich breach yeah. and stuff. But overall, I feel like it's such a good thing. And it's interesting to, to have this discussion and see different perspective over that absolutely i think also what you're putting to is what you get out like if you're yeah. throwing if you're throwing a work out there expecting just to be liked and then you're not you're not kind of <clears throat> you know like you have to give as well like you know you can't just put your work online and expect people to like it It doesn't work like that you know it's, mm -hmm. it's about community it's as you said it's about conversation it's about kind of being present but they're not overbearing. You know, it's like, there's a fine, like, there's a fine line. At the minute, I'm very kind of like, I had like the last 10 days off and people probably noticed because on Instagram, I'm a lot more than I normally am. Um, and I was like, people probably get sick of this. Um, like, I'm sick of this. Um, but at the same time, like, I also got really excited 10 days ago because I was like, oh, I've got time to create reels now. Perfect. Let's create a bunch of reels and save them on my drafts. Because like, mm -hmm. why not? I've got the time and it's not something, before I would have been like, no, that's absolute crappy. I don't care about it. But now I'm like, actually, that's an interesting possibility for the future. Like, like yeah. who knows? Nobody might see them, but it's still something to do. Um, I don't know. I think it's more exciting. I'm more excited about social media now than I was, say, last year, for sure. Um, it's all know. about having this healthy behavior of every day get a bit of inspiration, every yeah. day do something, every day Absolutely. create. I have this thing in mind, like, I have to create once a week at least, but I actually yeah. do three times a week, you know? Yeah. It's a healthy Absolutely. way to live. You know, when it comes to create four times a week, it can have been dreadful, but... I'm here to creating three times a week. It's not a challenge, four times a week, you know? So it's just a very healthy thing of like keeping the momentum, you know, you could be creating but Instagram, looking for inspiration, talking to people. Yeah. Just, it gets easier the more you go, you know? I like it. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Okay, so two questions and then we'll end. Firstly, where did the name Rebs come from? I'm actually really curious. See, it just means dreams in French. So... Oh. Uh, um, so it's, it's just a plural of dreams but I, I first wrote a, I had many graffiti names and I, I, I was Snow I was Days uh, D-A-Z-E which is actually New York legend so don't take that name <laughs> uh, all kind of stuff but basically I really like that kind of like symmetrical kind of thing so V's yeah. in the middle two E's and then you have R-S I was actually writing severe 
for a long amount of time. So severe. But then you can see that I'm just a bit more involved. I'm, I'm, I'm way more talky now, but uh, before I was a bit more slow and, and not very severe. I was never severe in any aspect, basically. So I just flipped it. And yeah, so Rev1, basically. And I just added one because it's, uh, it's in the mode to, to graffiti, which is, you add one and two, it's part of the culture. There's a whole reason behind it, but it's, it's a bit long. But otherwise, and also it's just great for results. Like you can't Google me with Rev because otherwise you just Google dreams. Yeah. But if you do one, I'm here, you know, worldwide, which is amazing. So it's just, just you know, dreams. I'm forward-looking and very optimistic. Uh, I like that. That's, that's so clever. And it works so well with your work as well. Like it makes sense. Like it makes a lot of sense. Um, that's yeah, really cool. So, uh, that's yeah. really cool. Um, okay, so the last question, Dora question, is where can people find more about you and your work? Sweet. Um, but honestly, I want to direct people to, yeah, Instagram is where most things happen. And I have actually a fun time creating stories, which is more like I, I see stories into showing, like showing your explorations, your, um, your, your, your learnings and then your point of view of things, you know, it's like, right, here's me painting on the wall on the, you know, uh, scaffolding at, you know, seven meters up high. Look at my point of view. Okay, this building is absolutely insane. Look at my learning, my inspiration today or whatever, basically. So it's very point of view-esque. Um, so Instagram would be basically the place to be. And I want to direct people into ephemeral. This is the new website of the duo. The reason why is because we're really created this very, very interesting kind of like layout. We've, we, we have not seen this before. We've merged a couple of different layouts of different websites. So you have this very... Uh, really minimal kind of aspect to, to mural. It's not the, okay, portfolio about all that kind of stuff. It's very kind of like, like bold things. It's like, okay, indoor, outdoor, what do you want? Uh, the, the photos are absolutely huge, but in a very interesting way. So FO mural, so E-F-O-M-U-R-A-L, F-O-Mural.com basically. Um, yeah, that would be the two places basically where I'd be, uh, this, this, that would be a fun place to, to follow what I do. You know what, Revs? Thank you so much. Honestly, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation. Like, I really have. And you're super awesome. That concludes my interview with Revs One. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or via social media sites such as Instagram. Flying Fruit Bowl audio interviews can now be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider subscribing, rating, reviewing, or sharing on any of those platforms to help spread the reach and the word of the Flying Fruit Bowl. Don't forget to check out theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk for more artists, features, and written interviews. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured interviewed yourself. We now also have a Patreon page, so if you're interested in supporting the platform further, please check it out. Tears start from £1.00. And you can find more information at patreon.com forward slash the flying fruit bowl. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode today. And until next time, folks, please stay safe.